Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to the NRLW Women's Rugby League Show Episode 4, I'm your host Dan Frost and as always I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Uh, I've got Alex and Stacey with me tonight, uh, no Pierre, uh, but she'll be back next week to talk all things rugby league. Alex, we're going to start with you. Um, it's certainly been another challenging week in lockdown. Have you got any tips for, for some of the listeners who have been doing it a little bit difficult lately? Is there anything that you're doing to sort of keep yourself entertained? Um, Just kind of breaking up the mundane, I guess. <laughs> Um, you know, trying to go out for walks and trying to exercise and, you know, but also trying to, you know, keep a schedule as best you can. Cause obviously one day, one day we're going to come out of this, just trying to keep a schedule, but also break up the, the mundane day to day. Uh, Stacey, what about you? Any tips for people that might be, uh, yeah, dealing with lockdown? Yeah, look, similar to Alex, really, it's just about breaking up what the day to day is. And for me, I found, you know, being creative, um, has really helped. So either, you know, doing some projects and DIY, building some things or, you know, just playing with my daughter, creating things and experiences and, and just the small things, I think really help. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And look for me, um, yeah, just try and take your, your mind away from things, you know, um, uh, for me, podcasting is a big way of doing that. I heard there's this new podcast that that's around, um, the So You Think You Can Ball podcast. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, but uh, no, uh, yeah, there's there, there's obviously ours, but go out there and, and there's some others out there as well um, just to keep you, keep you occupied. Okay, and let's jump into our first segment tonight, which is the huddle. And for our new listeners, the huddle is where we uh, deep dive into a particular team. Uh, and this week we're going to focus on a powerhouse team, uh, a, a team that has been very, very successful in this year's New South Wales Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. The Broncos celebrate success once more. New South Wales have won Women's State of Origin on a great performance by the Australian Gillaroos. Champion teams do this. They find space, they find time. Loved watching her play and I think she'll take her game to another level. Uh, on the huddle, we're going to be focusing in on the Central Coast Roosters uh, from the New South Wales Harvey Normans Premiership. Uh, Stacey, I'm going to start with you. Uh, this team, they went on quite a run. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Roosters' uh, season? Just unstoppable, aren't they? You know, it's it, and they have been so dominant for such a long time. Um, you know, but the fact that you know they've got legends like Hannah Southwell and, and Isabel Kelly playing up there um, really, I think, just elevates the team. And, you know, they had some massive wins um, and they had a couple of close games. So it's been kind of good to look over their season. Alex, one of the things about our Women's Rugby League is I think something that's a little bit underestimated is just the quality of uh, some of these teams at the state level. And, you know, as part of our sports network, we're going to go around the country and we're going to look at all of these state competitions. But, you know, when you come across a team like the Central Coast Roosters, it just goes to show uh, um, some of these powerhouse teams that, that are... Uh, you know, competing uh, at at the state level. Yeah, I mean, you don't go on an eleven and zero run without kind of supreme talent behind you as a club. And you know, this team is just stacked from their backs to their halves to their forwards. You know, they're they're 
they just have strength on strength on strength as far as their their players go. Interesting. When we uh, go through their schedule, there was a particular three week period that caught our eye, and it's actually off the back of two uh, two bye weekends, but. Um, there was some definitely some close games there. In particular, there was a clash there against the Mounties that, uh, you know, it, that game had everything. You know, it ended up finishing 22 points to 20, but it just really highlighted a bit of a bit of a difficult period for the Roosters where they were coming up against some high-quality opposition. Uh, you know, the scores were quite tight. And for the first time uh, this season, you know, the Roosters found themselves in a bit of a difficult situation, um, especially after that first half. Look, you know, if you look over their, their season, you know, they had a couple of blowout games. Um, but before that, the scores weren't even close, you know, leading into the into the buys and into the back end of finals. So, you know, like and we've said it before, you know, buy rounds can be, a, a you know, a killer or a really good thing. It just depends on how you use them and where the team's sitting at when it comes to terms of injury and things like that. Given that the score lines were so close, especially in that Mounties game, that's the interesting, that's the outlier for me because the score, you know, it was only won by two points. Yeah, so Alex, let's, let's dig into it. So during that three-week period, so off those two buys, we had a win, a 24-10 win over the Sharks. Um, the Mounties game we're going to get to in a second. That was twenty-two to twenty, um, and then they had a, a win over West Tigers, thirty to fourteen. But let's go back to that Mounties clash because that does seem to be, you know, one of the more well. Th- this game had everything. Uh, so uh, talk to us a little bit about this one because you know I guess for one of the first times uh, in the season and and for quite a lot a while for a lot of these players things didn't quite go their way in the first half. Yeah, no, that was an interesting game for them. Um, to go down and be, you know, down 14 nothing at halftime, that's for a team like this who's, you know, stacked across the board to not be able to score, you know, that's – and to let there's three tries in, you know, that's – you know, that shows that their offense wasn't clicking and their defense wasn't clicking and they were struggling to, to try and get over the line. Stacey, and we look at their opposition, the Mounties, you know, they're a powerhouse in themselves. You know, you look at their record and, uh, you know, they went 10-1 and one. And this was their only loss to go down by two points after such a dominant first half. Yeah, what's your thoughts on this particular game? Again, um, you know, a bit of a shock to the system for the Roosters who really had a, a difficult time of it in that first half. Yeah, look, it's always it's always fun times when one and two meet because someone's going to have to lose. Um, and that, I think, really sets the tone for the game itself. So emotions are running high. Uh, you're coming up against the number one, the ones that you're likely going to meet in the grand final. And, it, you know, they, you often say when you go into big games, you know, you start hard first, you set the tone. And they obviously did. But, you know, if you wanted to look at some of the stats, I mean, it just goes to show that the Roosters, they had a really low completion rates, um, you know, especially in that first half. Alex, talk to us a little bit about that halftime discussion. So, you know, we're obviously going to, uh, you know, be bringing on some some players from the club uh, onto the sports network, so we'll be able to get more of an insight into it. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, these situations where you have the talent, you have one of the best teams in the competition, but, yeah, you know, you're coming up against a real high-quality team. Things haven't gone your way in that first half. Talk to us about, you know, some of the things that may have been discussed at halftime to sort of come out and turn things around. I think that's always a tough kind of halftime to, to be in, you know, when you're a team of this caliber and, and you're playing, you know, number number two who has the same record as you at the moment and, and something has to give, right? Because you don't want to be the team that loses. Um, and, and as Stacey said, you know, it, it looks like the Mounties just kind of were better in that first half just as far as basics go. And 
So I think from a coaching perspective, you know, with a team like that, they have to kind of take it on their shoulders. You know, they've, they've got the skill and the caliber behind them to be able to perform. It's whether or not they want to go out and do that now. You know, do they want to go out and fight for this win or do they want to go out and kind of fold to the Mounties? And I think you can see that by the second half. They went out and they flipped a switch that they should have flipped the moment they stepped out on the field. To Alex's point, you know, when they've when they've sort of reconvened, they've come out in the second half, they've certainly uh, turned things around. One of the key things for a side is you need a strike weapon. You know, you need someone that can, uh, you know, break things open and, and help you get back into the game. Talk to us a little bit about Yasmin Meeks because, you know, she's an absolute superstar. Uh, we, we know her talent, but, you know, to get a couple of tries uh, in such a high-profile game, given the position they were in, a, a huge performance and, and, and a really, really important contribution from Yasmin. For sure. And knowing Yasmin and the type of player that she is, um, she's just so uh, explosive and disruptive Um to the defense. She is that kind of player, you know, and we've seen her play, you know, um, for the last couple of years in, in multiple uh, different competitions. And she's just an X factor uh, and one of the many in the team. Alex, you look at the, the final score. So uh, Central Coast Roosters uh, won this one 22 points to 20. Uh, there, there was a lot in this game. There was three sin bins, two, two in the Mounties, one in the Roosters. You know, well, one of the things that's also been interesting in, in, in Women's Rugby League has been some debate in and around the, the goal conversion. So if we look at the uh, if we look at this particular game, uh, the Mounties were two from four. Uh, the Roosters did pretty well. They were three from four. But what's your opinion on these conversions? Because if we look at the competition as a whole, that's certainly an area where, you know, a lot of the, the, the key goal kickers in the competition are still trying to improve. What's your thoughts on that? Should Should there be some adjustments... Uh, to conversions, uh, you know, whether that, that's sort of bringing them in a little bit or do you think they need to sort of stay as they are as and, and just allow these athletes to continue to improve their skills year on year? Men and women's sports kind of be treated kind of just and equal. I think you need to have even playing fields across the board, right? So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think they should – um, change the way they're kicking or the way they do their conversions. I think it should remain the same as the men. I'm not, you know, I think there's a way to develop them a bit more where they can be more consistent. So my, my, my theory here is that, you know, NRL kickers like yeah, Adam Reynolds, um, you know, he spends so many hours practicing kicking, right? And, and it's typical in a lot of sports, you know, it's the same with American football, right? That special teams isn't, practiced as much because it's typically not as important. So given more time, given more professional coaching and development, keep it how it is. Yeah, and, and look, if we, if we reflect on their season so far, remarkable campaign from the Central Coast Roosters. Um, yeah, just uh, just an unbelievable season going 11-0. and 0. Let's narrow our focus now to some of the uh, yeah, particular players. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Let's start with the captain, um, Isabel Kelly. So, you know, a lot of people know Isabel. Um, you know, she's done, well, pretty much everything in the game. She's represented her state. She's represented her country. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, her influence on the sport as a whole, um, given her profile and the way in which she's performed over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think she's just one of those players where, you know, when, you, when you're, if you're a young girl trying to pick up the footy for the first time, she's one of those players that I'm sure young girls look up to. You know, she's represented her country. She's represented her state. You know, she plays at, at, a, at a professional level. Um, so she's just someone that kind of embodies that player that young girls kind of look up to and they want to be. 
you know, if you look at young kind of footy players that, that follow um, the women's rugby, you know, you know, who do you want to be like? You know, I'm sure little girls probably go Isabel Kelly. You know, she's a dominant force as far as offense and defense goes. And, I, and, and I'm sure she's a, a leader on and off the field. And, you know, she just encompasses what it means to be that kind of badass NRL women's player. Stacey, uh, you know, to Alex's point, there's definitely going to be some young juniors that are coming through the system that, you know, want to be the next Isabel Kelly. And what's exciting about that is, you know, they're probably going to be able to take the game to a whole new level. You know, these these young juniors are going to going to come through and they'll probably, um, you know, they'll probably be able to um, be, you know, uh, faster, more athletic, more skillful. That's what's most exciting. So to Alex's point, um, Isabel definitely having an impact there uh, in terms of the, the junior pathways. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, when I spoke with Tash Gale the other week, you know, we spoke about what is the future for the next generation. And, you know, she seems to think that, you know, it's the strategy. Every, every aspect of the game is going to come together for them earlier. And we all know that the earlier that you can start uh, using the different task tactics and strategies and developing your athletic ability and developing, um, you know, your, your game sense and, and how you play the game essentially and learning more about the game, the better they're going to be, you know, and they wouldn't have any better mentor to look up to than Isabel Kelly. I mean, she's just a, a beast. You know, she's gone the last two seasons with the Roosters and she's only missed three tackles. Like, what the hell? Absolutely outstanding talent. Now let's have a look at some of her peers in the outside backs because, uh, again, it, it's a, it's you know, an, another very talented group. Um, we've got Jasmine Strange and we've got Alicia uh, Alicia Martin there uh, on, on the wing, and then obviously uh, in the centres the, the highly talented uh, Jamie uh, Frezard and, and Yasmin Meeks. Um, Stacey, talk to us a little, little bit about this talented outside backs group. Um, are there any particular players that caught your eye this season? Yeah, look, I've I've been watching some uh, watching some film, and I really like the look of Alicia Martin. She's just like when she gets the ball, she's just so explosive, um, you know, and she attacks the line really, really hard. Uh, but what I really like about her is her ability to turn defenders around. That it's just her ability to to create space uh, between her and her defender made her so powerful this season. Alex, one of the things that caught my eye with uh, you know this particular group and the team as a whole is you know outside of uh, you know that that the game against the Mounties defensively, you know this this team is just so impressive you know that the most points that they conceded all season was 20 points against the Mounties and then a week later they conceded 14 points against the West Tigers otherwise it was well well below that and often zero points talk to us a little bit about you know what that takes from a talent perspective from a communication perspective to be able to be so sound defensively yeah I think it just shows how well they understand each other as as teammates and as players you know, I think that's such a key component to a team like this, right? You can have, you can have talent, but if you don't work together, you're not, you're not going to succeed. Right. But to have talent like this, for them to all be on the same page, like they are for them to communicate probably the way that they do, where they can limit, you know, teams to one try, two tries, you know, on the majority of their games, like that just takes, that takes a lot of trust as teammates, knowing that if I miss this tackle, I know my teammate's going to back me up and get that tackle for me. So there's just that certain amount of trust that I think these players have with each other where they can go out there and play for the crest on the front of their jersey and every single one of them understands their role and what their job is. And I think that's why they've been 
so successful, A, at being able to rack up the points that they do, but also being able to hold teams to rather low score scoring opportunities. Stacey, let's move on now to the halves. And I guess one of the one of the most impressive things about this particular team is that they've got a couple of younger players here, only 21 years of age. They've got, uh, you know, Bridie Parker and Jocelyn Keller. They're in the halves. I mean, not only is this a powerhouse football team, but they've got two young halves that they can potentially they can potentially build around for the next five, ten years if, if they if they please at this state level. Talk to us a little bit about the halves, what you've liked about them. They've been both of these players have been very, very impressive for the side this year. Yeah, look, you know, Bridie's got such a strong touch footy background. Um, you know, and then, you know, winning winning use, uh, winning the sevens at the use Commonwealth Games as well. Like you, you can see that she's got the speed, right? But it's really that that touch football aspect of the game that makes the halves in the women's game so successful is what they are. You know, they've got zero fear when they're coming up running through the line um, and it only takes a certain time before, you know, these touch footy players like to get into contact. And what I love about Bridie Parker is that she's not afraid to go in on contact either. Alex, I, I could talk about, uh, you know, a lot of these players uh, individually for, for hours on end, you know, given, given their talent. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we definitely wanted to, to call out is, you know, uh, you know, one of the, one of the next step steps up for, for a lot of these players is the NRL W competition and, and, and a large number of these players have been contracted um, at the NRLW level. Talk to us a little bit about the culture and that connection that they're building here. You know, it's not just, um, you know, talented individuals, you know, we're building combinations, we're building camaraderie, um, you know, mateship, you know, clearly, you know, this is, this is a really important connection and something they may be able to take into the NRLW season. Yeah. I mean, it, when a team has 12, you know, players that get signed up until, you know, the professional league ahead of them. I mean, that's just, that says something about your program, right? That says something about the coaching staff they have behind them. It says something about the players that, that buy into that coaching philosophy and that club philosophy, obviously. Um, but then to have standouts and powerhouse that you do to then be able to take that to the next level is, is, is huge. Yeah. I just think with, you know, the combinations and the culture that they're, they're building, you know, they're kind of setting these girls up for success. Yeah, Stacey, and I think it's important to call out that, you know, there's a large number of players that, you know, won't, you know, probably not going to get picked up by NRLW teams, but uh, yeah, that's not to say that they don't have the talent, you know, hopefully over the next few seasons, we see the competition, you know, potentially look to expand or, or give more opportunities, but there's just so much talent out there. And, um, you know, you can see that with this particular team and uh, quite rightly, you know, they've got a large number of players who will go on and play in that particular competition. Um, now the other the other part of the uh, the team that we we definitely wanted to, to talk about was uh, their forward pack. So we've spoken a lot about Caitlin uh, Johnston. You know she's been a very important inaugural signing for the NRL uh, Newcastle Knights team. But a player that you know is is a bit of a personal favourite of mine, a local Newcastle player as well, uh, Stacey Hannah Southwell. You know sometimes you know we, we we love the attacking side of football. We we love the flair. But, you know, there's nothing better than someone who prides himself on the defensive side of the game. And, uh, you know, Hannah, she, she is she's elite defensively. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen from her. Again, a very, very talented player who's gone on and, uh, you know, uh, has achieved representative honours as well. So Hannah Southwell is my spirit animal. 
Uh, you know, she just had some massive tackles in Origin. It plays her best when she's playing those high stakes games. Um, and she can so easily be counted on to sort of slow things down um, by making a really bone crunching tackle on someone. You know, she also, you know, what I like about her is she's always looking for the next opportunity too. So she, you know, she, she gets some, some good offloads off. Um, defensive, she's definitely up there. Uh, she's one of my favorite players just because of the intensity that she brings. And, um, you know, she's, she played at the Dragons, uh, in 2018 where, um, you know, she had a standout season, uh, which was really good too. But I'm just so excited for her future. Alex, obviously you've got a pretty big background in rugby. You know, uh, Hannah is, is not the biggest, uh, you know, not the biggest athlete, but uh, her technique, um, is something to marvel at. And there'll be, you know, you talk about juniors, there'll be a lot of younger players that will be, you know, keeping a close eye on on, on the way in which she plays because she's certainly been able to build um, quite a reputation as a defensive workhorse, powerhouse um, through that technique. Talk to us, you know, just on your own background, talk to us a little bit about the importance of technique and how sometimes that can overcome, you know, some of the issues in and around size. I think a player like her who's so fundamentally sound, you know, it's that's such an important kind of role when you're playing games like this, especially if you're a forward. Um, you know, you you want to make sure you're going for the legs as far as tackles are concerned. You don't want to be tackling up high. So to be a player like that who can go it like and and that's the thing, right? As as you mentioned, size, when you have the fundamentals down to be able to take anybody down and you have that fearless nature where it doesn't matter who's running at you. Um you know, you if your mindset is I'm taking that girl down, you know, and I'm gonna or I'm gonna die trying, you know, it's like that kind of mentality where it doesn't matter how big you are, if you have that mentality, if you're fundamentally sound with how you tackle, um, if you just kind of have that no fear and just go in for it, then you know, players like her, it's size doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna get that tackle, you're gonna bring that girl down no matter what. I think the thing is too, and it, and it's something that I've discussed quite uh, quite a few times with a lot of different people about the mindset of a defensive player or the mindset behind tackling, right? And, um, you know, you, you look at technique and you look at the injuries that happen in women's sport, uh, especially contact sports, where technique hasn't been taught correctly, which is where you see a majority of injuries happen, not necessarily from the tackle themselves, but how they land. So, you know, boys grow up learning how to tackle from such a young age, you know, unless you're a girl and unless you've got big brothers or someone that is happy to throw you around, you don't learn how to fall properly. You don't learn how to get your head out of the way. You don't learn that technique beats size every time. Um, So it's such a a mindset. And to Alex's point, uh, if you're the smallest person in the world, it just means that the bigger girls fall harder. So it's just, it's such a mindset thing. Um, And I think that that's something that's slowly changing. And the more it does, I think we're going to see a a more safer version of the game because the tackles are being made with fundamentals um, and the correct teaching, you know, which is great. Less injuries is awesome. But you also get to see little tiny players like Hannah Southwell blowing up some big, big, big girls. Yeah, and at 22 years of age, she's still got so much uh, you know, growth and development to go, you know, in, in terms of her play and the way in which she uh, goes about uh, goes about her de- her defense and her all-round game. So uh, still plenty of improvement to come. And I think that's a big feature of this football team in the Central Coast Roosters is whilst they do have a talented roster, uh, a lot of their players are quite young and have still got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of development and growth in their game, which is pretty scary for, for the rest uh, of the competition uh, but I think I just want to. I just wanted to give uh, a shout out to um, the little winger 
uh, Jasmine Strange. She's the so she's the the daughter of the coach, right? And she got pulled up to play Roosters last year, um, but she scored one try in every game that she played, which is just crazy. Um, you know, and, and I saw her on the news and, uh, you know, what she said about playing with the Roosters was, you know, she was so young, 19 years old, just signed up to NRLW. And she said it was so easy because she had half a team playing with her. And it's that kind of confidence that creates the best out of players, you know, knowing that you've got your team behind your back, no matter what stage you're standing on, um, and it just makes good players great. And the thing with the Roosters is that, you know, Tasha Gale said it best herself. She does, you know, good athletes will attract further good athletes. So it's just a testament to the program. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess for the Central Coast Roosters, uh, Alex, finished off really, really strong, uh, undefeated, uh, 11-0, but didn't get to, I guess, didn't get to, to finish it on their own terms. You know, they're, you know, I, I guess for a lot of people, everyone wanted to see, um, Either another team on the t- on the on the table sneak up and maybe um, cause call, call some challenges in the final series, um, or alternatively uh, that Mounties and, and Roosters rematch. Uh, I guess that's that's something that everyone was was sort of looking forward to. So uh, they finished the season now, given the situation as the minor premiers, um, but they'll they'll be looking to you know go into next season and, and make sure that they go on and and win next year's title. To have a season where you can't go out on your own terms, you can't go out, you know, with kind of that highlight that you were planned for, that you were training to reach, I think is a, it's a tough one. But I think for a team like this, it just makes you hungry for next season because you're like, well, you know what? We didn't get to get it, you know, this year. Um, and so next year we're just going to come out, dominate like we did and try and win it next year so I think that kind of just it can ignite a little bit more fire into the girls to go well you know what this season's gone we'll use it as like a you know we got the minor premiership that's good for us now next year we're going to go win the win the big cup like we want to absolutely and look all the best to the Central Coast Roosters uh, going in uh, you know through the preseason going into next season uh, we really look forward to following their progress uh, you know for their 2022 campaign all right, guys, and to round out the show, uh, we've got our rapid-fire segment. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Okay, and this week on our rapid-fire segment, we're going to be reflecting on the women in league round that just occurred in the NRL. What was our favorite moment from the previous round? Uh, Stacey, we're going to start with you. Um, any sort of reflections that you had? Oh, look, I just felt so blessed to celebrate the history of where the games come with Tasha Gale last week. Um, it was so fun just having a chat with her uh, and talking about her crazy fundraising stories. But I really liked looking towards the future. Um, you know, we spoke a lot about the under-19s and the Tasha Gale Cup, um, and we even sort of debated, you know, who was the greatest rugby, women's rugby league player of all time and who's going to be the first women's immortal um, in our one-on-one series. So if you haven't had a listen to that, make sure you do because it's definitely one to listen to. Um, but Women in League Ground is, is such a great initiative. I love it every year. 
Alex, did anything sort of uh, anything stand out for you uh, from that round? Uh, I mean, this round's such a good one to have because it just highlights kind of those female players that are playing in the game. As Stacey said, you get to celebrate those past players, then also kind of highlights the coaches, you know, and promoting. I think Kylie Hilder, you know, the the head coach for the women's New South Wales, was just kind of fun to watch and get her name out there and get little kids knowing her name as a, as an origin coach. Cause you know, we know the men's side and that's great. And we know the men's players, we know the men's coaches, but to be able to put a light to the, to the women's side um, and highlight her is, is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, a remarkable, a remarkable person uh, within the game. And um, yeah, she's doing some great things uh, there uh, coaching that, that New South Wales side. Um, no, that, that, that's a great one. And look for me, um, you know, one of the, one of the great things to come out of it at the same time, uh, the NRLW Newcastle Knights, uh, announced their assistant coach. And I just think they've made a really good call there. Uh, they, they've, they've brought on Jess Skinner. Um, and, uh, you know, she's got quite the resume, uh, from a coach's perspective, you know, she's, she was the assistant coach for the prime minister's 13 in 2019 under Brad, uh, Donald. Um, she's been involved in a lot of the plays that you see in the Gillaroos at the moment. Um, you know, she was the head coach for the First Nations uh, Gems team at the National Championships this year. Uh, but, yeah, just really excited to have her part of my team and, and hopefully all of our listeners out there in Newcastle get behind uh, this new franchise because this is really, really exciting. Um, you know, just listening to the way in which, you know, Jess speaks uh, with such pride about this particular team and, and the way in which... You know, she wants to work with uh, head coach Blake Green on building, um, you know, bu- building this from the ground up, you know, building the right standards. Uh, and, yeah, and, and they've certainly got the facilities there behind them. So if there's any players out there, uh, elite players that are looking for a, for a franchise, go and knock on the door of the, the Newcastle Knights with, you know, the centre of excellence being built and things like that. It's exciting times for Women's Rugby League in the Hunter. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have today. Uh, I just want to thank my amazing panel uh, once again. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, uh, please download, subscribe, jump on our social media channels. We're available on all platforms. Uh, Like, comment, send us some feedback. We really, really appreciate that. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports. Mojo Sports.